Hey guys, Dane here with the Darkroom Podcast. Thank you so much for hanging out with us. In today's episode, I chat with photographer and venture capitalist Bijan Sabet. Bijan is a co-founder and general partner at Spark Capital, where he has become an early stage investor in some of the most impactful technology companies, including Twitter, Tumblr, and Oculus. As a film photographer, Bijan's street and landscape work covers a wide range of subjects as he travels the world with the camera in hand. We get a chance to hear Bijan's unique perspective on the creative industry and how he believes content creators are some of the best entrepreneurs who make their vision come to life every day. We walk through what Bajan looks for in early stage investments, including the stark divide between missionary and mercenary entrepreneurs, and where he sees the role of the creator in a platform-dependent world. I am excited for you guys to hear this, so without further ado, here is a conversation with Bajan Sabet. Welcome to the Dark Room Podcast, where you'll get to hear from the best full-time creators on the planet. From starting out to where they are now and everywhere in between. Welcome to the Dark Room. Well, Bijan, thank you so much for giving me the time. It's my pleasure. Thanks for having me on. Yeah. So right off the bat, I got to say that I was listening back to a couple hallway chats, the podcast <laughs> that that you were putting out not too long ago. And I, I find it fascinating that you were talking in one of them about the apps that you were currently using at the beginning of the year compared to the apps you were using on your home screen the year before. And mm-hmm. I would love to know right now in 2019, what are the top three apps that you'd say that you use on a daily or or even weekly basis? Yeah. Hold on. Let me just take a quick look at my battery levels here and see what I'm using the most of. Nice. All right. It's uh, Twitter, number one. Great. As it should be. Um, Yep. Um, Instagram two and Slack three. Okay, cool. So Slack, you use Slack for, for all the communication between everything that you have going on with people. It's, it's mostly work, but some fun stuff too. I'm in a couple Slack groups that are, uh, just on the, you know, just fun. Yeah. And then Twitter, you obviously are on that nonstop. Have you, have you found that Twitter in the last, you know, few years has kind of taken a change in the way that that the communication is done, or has Twitter kind of stayed solid throughout all this crazy boom of of new apps yeah. and new new changes happening in these applications? Yeah, you know, Twitter. In some, I mean, I'm hopelessly biased here because, like, I signed up for Twitter super early. I was an early investor. I yeah. was on the board for the first three years or three and a half years or something. So, and I love the founders. So, I'm, you know, I just got to put that out there. Um, I love those those guys. Um, it's definitely changed, but in some ways, I feel like it stayed true to itself. Like it's not trying to be all things to all people. It does. It's not like Facebook copied in, uh, Snapchat with stories, and you know they're kind of doing their own thing. Um, and I feel like there's a really strong community, especially in the photo photography world. There's like I met amazing film photographers, you know, all over the world. It it just feels very open and fluid and um, friendly, and um, you know, in this world of like you know, crazy politics and everything else. Like, I mean, all that's important, but it's nice to have like a different conversation at times. And and I'm just so grateful for all the connections I've made on Twitter. Yeah. And then for like, for Instagram, you know, I know you've made a lot of connections through there too. And, you know, you have a lot of friends that are just incredible creators. You know, I have a couple of questions about that. But my first one is, have you found that the relationships that you've built, let's say on Instagram have been completely different relationships than the ones that you've made through Twitter? 
You know, in some ways, they're they're kind of like separate worlds. It's like your high school friends and your college friends. <laughs> yeah, you know yeah. Like, and and then you know when they all meet, it could be kind of cool. Or sometimes it's it's different. I mean, there's certainly overlap. I mean, like you know, my friend Johnny Patience is on both platforms, and you right. know, Joker is on both platforms. So like it, it, you definitely see that happen. But um, you know, it it just it just feels you know a little bit you know similar and people are like searching to find other creative people. They're searching for connections. They're riffing on each other's like giving people feedback. There's a lot of questions offline. I mean, my DMS are like, Hey, how'd you shoot that thing? Or yeah. you know, what do you, you know, tell me about this film you're using or, or vice versa, obviously. And, and, um, so it just feels really, you know, healthy and positive. Yeah. Have you found that the, the people that you've made friends with in the space, over the years and the ones that have, you know, stayed as, or become successful, either commercial photographers or whatever their, their, you know, creative path is. Have you, have you found similar characteristics in, in these people? You know, I feel like, you know, they're different personalities, these friend people that have become good friends of mine, yeah. you know, cause you know, thankfully, <laughs> um, just like their work is unique, their personalities are unique. Um, but I feel like the thing that they do have in common and these talented people I've, I've gotten to know or, or whatever, like I feel like they all have a lot of initiative and, and they're self-driven. Obviously they're super creative, but they're this, they're entrepreneurs in their own right. Right. And you know, my day job is like, I back startup companies and entrepreneurs and I kind of feel like they're kindred spirits because they're making it happen. You know, they, maybe they weren't in photography four or five years ago and they're, they're making a run at it. You know, they're putting out their best work. They're getting great gigs. They're finding awesome clients. And it's all about like this making it happen. Nothing's coming. No, nobody's like, you know, giving it to them. And, um, so I feel like they all have that level of, you know, shared commitment to do better work and to really, you know, try their best and all that. So that feels, feels, you know, really inspiring. Um, but obviously all these people are individuals and like, they're so different. I mean, I, I, I'm sure if you think of the, like your favorite five people on Instagram, like personality wise, they're, they're completely unique. Yeah, no, for sure. And do you find that you're still constantly learning and, and taking bits and pieces from these different, you know, friends and people that you know along there? Oh photography my God, and all that? totally. I mean, yeah. I am like the biggest like hack loser ever compared to these people. <laughs> I mean, that somehow are nice to me. I mean, you know, it's, it's hilarious, but, um, I am learning like every day and, um, you know, it feels really good. I'm, I'm mostly like film. I'm like 80% film and right. film is its own adventure. Yeah. And, and because I'm only like 20% digital, I'm learning so much about digital. Like I look at my digital work from a year ago and I want to like throw it all away. So it's, <laughs> uh, it's, uh, it's, it's just been an amazing journey. Yeah. So when, when do you shoot digital? When does that, when does that happen? You know, for me, my digital stuff is either, you know, like very ad hoc, like I don't have anything with me except for my iPhone kind of thing. Uh -huh. Or, um, you know, just I'm in the mood to just be very chill about the whole thing and less intentional. I'll just grab my digital. I, I shoot this like a cue. Um, and it's just, you know, it's basically like a point and shoot essentially. And right. I mean, it does a lot more, but like you can use it in that mode. And so when I'm kind of just in a casual setting, like I, I I posted a like a cute photo today and it was, I remember the day and I just didn't feel, it was just very easy and, and lightweight. And, um, but when I'm kind of like much more intentional and thoughtful about it, I just prefer, I prefer the analog. World yeah. And... Yeah. I don't, I don't know too much about film yet. I'm trying. I, uh, I picked up my first film camera maybe a year ago now. 
I always nice. butcher it when I talk about it in the podcast. It's like it was either six months ago or nine months ago, or, but I think legitimately, <laughs> like now, I I fully understand it's been like one year. Um, I got yeah, a, yeah. I got a Canonet. I met up with a guy in the valley and and picked it up. And he was like, do you know how to use this thing? And I was like, I have no idea. He's like, have you ever shot before? I was like, I've been shooting for 10 years. <laughs> so it's just like the, the learning curve for film, you know, even, yeah. dude, it took me, took me months. And I had that first couple of roles that I, I developed it and they came in or I came in and asked yeah. about it. And they're like, oh, there's nothing on these roles. And I was like, there we go. <laughs> Getting started. Yeah. Um, but I, I really find uh, a lot of joy in shooting film. And it, it's a little bit more exciting. Uh, not a little bit, a lot of bit more exciting, especially when I go travel. And like with your, with your film, what's really, really cool about what you do, I think, is you have a blog. And it's, it's not the type of blog where you go on. And it's like you haven't posted since 2012. Like you have a, a, a blog that you post on all the time and, and you put photos on there and it feels like just very, just very warm and just very, you know, inviting and like a look into your weeks and your months of travel. So what's the thought process behind keeping the blog going all the time? Well, thanks for the kind words. It really means a lot. Cause you're, as I said at the top, I don't know if it's on the podcast or not, but your work is awesome. So like when somebody oh, like, you. Talented, like yourself says something about my photography, it's, just, <laughs> it's, it's uh, kind of surreal, but like my, my blog for me is like, it's like the ultimate like journal or diary. And I never realized that's kind of where this blog stuff came from, but like, I always want to be able to look, look back and, you know, have that to myself because, you know, as much as I love Instagram, I, who knows what's going to happen to Instagram in the next, you know, yeah, two years, five years, whatever. And I kind of feel like these trips I'm making and, and travel and different, seeing different parts of the world. Like I just kind of want to have my own space. Yeah. If that makes any sense. For sure. Um, and it may not get that much exposure today, but I, I just know I, I've got it, you know, yeah. um, and, and that feels really good. And, um, and it's stuff that, you know, maybe a couple photos make Instagram from any given trip, but I feel like the whole experience, I could tell it better on the blog. Yeah, I agree. Um, totally. So that, that, that to me is like the motivation to do it and, uh, and it feels good. And, and I, I love, I love reading other people's blogs. So it kind of inspires me to kind of keep going. Yeah, I, I find that we are living in this kind of time of people reverting back to to things like blogs to to really get a story or a point across and also things like physical prints and, and physical books. Right. I mean, for instance, like I am in the last year like such a fan of of just holding, you know, photos and even for my own work, like making books that will sit on my coffee table, but that's like the one version that it is, just one version it's on my coffee table and my friends love it and it's just for our little, you know, group and all that, but things like that are becoming so much more powerful and I think that it's cuz digital has kind of just been you know, like swiping and swiping and seeing all of these photos all day, you just kind of lose that wow factor and lose the, um, you know, the feeling behind it. Yeah. I feel like we take it for granted sometimes with digital. I mean, digital is obviously amazing and we get to connect with each other and you get to right. see all this crazy work. But like right now, like I've got five books on my table here that are, were made by my friends. Like I have Victoria yeah. Wright's book from Iceland, Dan Rubens from Japan, oh, wow. Johnny Patience from Maine. I like, these are like, like, I have all the greats like on the, in the bookshelf of like, you know, Robert Frank or whatever, but like right. these books that I'm, I am loving were done by my friends and it's so great to have like a big honking book, like physical prints. It just, it just feels like incredible. Yeah. And I think that maybe the only thing stopping more photographers from doing it is just, uh, publishing it and actually getting it made. Yeah. Right. Like there's not, yeah. there's not a lot of 
you know, easy, efficient ways to do it. I mean, there are, there are like there's blurb. I did mine on blurb. Um, but I think it, I think it's important and I think it's getting bigger. And obviously like you can use the example, like it's like vinyls or, you know, it's like things like that. But I really, I really do feel that. I really do feel that like in 10 to 15 to 20 years, you know, where Instagram is, you know, wherever it is at that point, um, or, or any social platform that people having physical copies from, big photographers like Joe Greer now and, 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 you know, the books that will come out in the next few years are going to be really impactful. Oh man. I hope Joe comes out of the book. I think it would be amazing. And I, I just feel like these books are so special to me. They really mean a lot. And I'm, I'm glad that, you know, people have the, you know, the courage and the wherewithal to do it. Cause it's a big, it's a big project. It's money, it's time, effort. You're kind of putting yourself out there. It's like all those things. And, um, but I, I feel like it's it's so special. Yeah. So when it when it comes to time for for someone as busy as you, you know, being a partner with Spark and you know traveling as much as you do and shooting as much as you do, how do you how do you find time, like from a productivity standpoint and kind of like a you know like a a scheduler that is in your brain? Like how do you how do you how do you jump around all these different things that you do and make it to where you aren't working you know sixteen hours a day? Yeah, I mean, my day job is definitely super busy, but I kind of feel like, not a kind of, like I take that back, like photography for me, you know, kind of saved me in many ways because I was getting totally burnt out with work. I mean, I was working yeah. like a dog, traveling a lot for work, morning, morning till like, you know, I'd crash at the hotel and just be kind of spent. And because of my, this love affair I had with photography kind of grew it forced me to kind of create boundaries. So uh-huh. like I'll go to a business trip now, I'll go to, you know, San Francisco or LA on a business trip. And as opposed to working like, you know, first thing in the morning till night, now I'll like get up, I'll meet friends like for a sunrise, go shoot, grab breakfast, then do my day job, you know, spend a day being productive, then catch up with friends at like blue hour or whatever. <laughs> like yeah. it, it's kind of created a, a, a thing for me. That's been a great mix that I kind of feel like if I, if I didn't do that, I, I would have really burnt out fast and uh, from the work work. Yeah. Um, and so it, 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 it's a really good balance. I love it. When, uh, when I was also going through and listening to some of your stuff on, uh, on your podcast, I, I really enjoyed when you said that you were a fan of the Minimalist documentary. Yeah. Um, as was I, and, and I follow their blog and have been for a bit. Uh, do you find that, that, taking any of those principles and, and, you know, kind of practices to live more minimally have helped in that like mental compartmentalizing of, you know, your schedule and your day to day. You know, I try uh, to have that play a role there. And I think yeah. to some extent it's been helpful, you know, honestly, I feel like the most impactful thing I've done from my, like keeping my stuff in check is meditation. Like I, mm-hmm. I picked up meditation a year ago and I've, I've stuck with a daily practice. Nice. Some days it's only five or 10 minutes. Other days I get a half an hour, but yeah, but for me, that's been truly the most impactful thing that, that film though, for has kind of played a role in just trying to get me to simplify. Yeah. Frankly, like just material stuff in my life. I mean, I'm guilty of just buying too much crap, but it's, it's making me be much more thoughtful. Like, do I really need this now? Like, right. do, you know, I probably don't like just, just chill out. And, um, I feel like film has been quite good there too, because I, I just need one medium format camera, one thirty-five millimeter camera and I'm good. Like, yeah. you know, it's not, I don't need a whole like collection of these things. So, um, I found that film amazing. Um, and 
I'm trying to be much more mindful about it, but it's, 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 you know, I'm, I'm like C minus is the self grade. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm the, I'm the same way. Like I, I really do try to, to, you know, practice a lot of that. And, um, I remember the first time I came in after and I just started ripping my closet apart. My girlfriend's like, exactly. what are you doing? I was like, everything must go. <laughs> and I'm just totally taking everything out. And, uh, and it, like, I still like, definitely, I have that bone when it comes to like material things and like not, you know, needing to go out and buy the newest iPhone and right. all, all that, like that whole thing, which helps. Um, but, but with meditation, do you still, or, or have you used, uh, the apps to get you started? And do you still use those today? Like Headspace and those other ones? Yeah. Yeah. I use those apps. I probably use those apps. Like the one I'm kind of really digging is this app. I know no affiliation with the, with the company. Like uh-huh. I, uh, it's called 10% happier. Yeah. Yeah. And it, I just really like it. And it's this mix of instruction and then practice. And it's just really good. So I do that like two days a week with the app. Mm-hmm. And then the other days I just do my own thing. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's, it's the same, you know, mindfulness meditation called Vipassana, but, but, um, I don't have this guided thing going and, um, yeah, that, that's what I do. And I've done a couple workshops and in the same practice and it's, it's, been so good oh my god did you ever um have to make the decision to get off of the apps because i found i did i did headspace for a couple months and then i realized that i felt like i was going to get kind of stuck in this groove which is a fine groove to be stuck in but i wanted to be able to meditate on my own i felt that that was important did you ever have that realization or did you just kind of naturally start doing it on your own without the app no you know i was taking this workshop and the, my, the meditation teacher, like she really emphasized that, you know, not getting off the apps completely, but making sure that like you're do you know, building this practice on your own as well and not relying on the app. Um, and it was an adjustment cause I was, I was like, I just felt like I needed it. Yeah. And, uh, so it was, it was, it was, you know, it was a little bit of an adjustment, but then it just feels, it feels quite good. Yeah. Did, when you were younger, did, uh, did you have friends or did you have like meditation around your life whatsoever? Or is this all no, kind zero. of new, right? Like, yeah. Zero, zero. I grew up in like a very like, you know, whatever Catholic, you know, upbringing, uh-huh. you know, I'm like a retired Catholic now, but like, that was like, this was not part of the program. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, what was uh take me into a young Bajan? Like what was high school Bajan like? I'm so interested. Yeah, I mean I grew up in in New York. I'm I'm from Long Island originally. Uh-huh. I went to, you know, just you know, in a suburb there and then I went to an all boys high school. Um this Catholic high school wore a jacket and tie every day. I mean nice. like really yeah, that yeah. kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. Um I, I I only wear a tie now to like weddings and whatever, but um yeah. and um yeah, and then like I kind of thought that was how everything operated, and then I went off to college, and I realized like that's not what I wanted to kind of be about, and it really opened my eyes and my heart, and I I I got liberal fast. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and you went to uh, you went to Boston College, right? I did. Yep. Yeah, and uh, yeah, that's the same school that Honors and uh, Theo went to, so they're definitely yeah. pumped about that. Uh, what did yeah. you What did you major in? I I I went there clueless, um, in the sense that like I I loved math, and mm-hmm. I um, you know thought okay, well if I like math, I remember I can't remember if it was a guidance counselor. Somebody's like, oh, if you like math, you should be an accounting major. So I was like, okay, not yeah. anything. And so I went to school as an accounting major. And then I took my first accounting class. I'm like, Oh my God, this like, is not for me at all. Like, <laughs> yeah. so I, yeah. I changed majors and, um, there was this, um, information systems, um, concentration where you take a lot of computer science classes and, and 
basically I switched in time where I could still graduate on time and, and that's what I did. Yeah. And then, so when you, when you graduated, what was, what was the first step into the, the crazy unknown? Yeah. Well, the first step was realizing like, you know, it was like humble pie cause nobody hired me. I mean, you know, uh-huh. like all these, my friends were getting jobs like in the spring of their senior year or earlier. And I was getting like nothing and feeling really, you know, down on myself and all that. And, um, I remember it was like a month before I was graduating and I found this startup online in Cambridge and I reached out to them like, do you have anything? And, um, and you're like, yeah, come on over here. And I was like really geeking out on the, you know, this is like pre-internet, but like on, you know, at the time it was America online and I was geeking out on Usenet yeah. online forums and, and just really geeking out online. And, um, and they liked that about me and they, I guess they hired me. And so I helped, I was in their engineering department first and then I, I switched over to, um, sales and marketing and, and then that got me on my way. Had you picked up a camera before that? You know, my dad was one of these like, you know, like really, you know, camera photography enthusiasts like as a dad, yeah. you know. He had the um, camera that so, was like two feet wide and a brick. Exactly. It was a foot he, tall. He yeah. Was, yeah. Totally. Yeah. And um, and he's still shooting like every day and he loves it. Uh-huh. And I get these awesome iMessage things. That's and, so cool. And nice. uh, But I never got into it, like zero. I, I probably didn't really get into it till... Uh, iPhone four. Wow. So it's super interesting too, to see, you know, someone where like, if I, you know, when I first saw you, I would say you're a creative, you know, like instantly off the bat and because your eye and because, you know, it just like you give off this presence of, you know, I guess you could have gone either which way, but it, it, I would have thought that you picked up a camera long before that. No, I was nerd first and then, you know, creative <laughs> second. <laughs> so, uh, so that first company, when you when you left that company as an engineer, what was the next uh, what was the next big jump for you? Yeah, I I basically you know so I was in Cambridge, Massachusetts at this startup, and um, and they were you know super nice or whatever. But I um, went out on a whim to San Francisco with a friend mm-hmm. uh, just to go check it out, and I com- was blown away. I was like, oh. Like I need to be here. And, um, and I was there for, it was like a week or four or five days we did that trip. And, um, and it was like a maybe six months after I graduated. And anyway, I met this girl who ended up, I ended up dating later and then she married me years later, but like, (laughs) um, but I, I basically packed everything I owned the back of my hatchback and I drove out there with my brother and, and moved out like within 10 months of that trip. Yeah. And, um, and I didn't have a job or anything, and um, and then started looking around for work, and I um, got a job at this tech company. It's no longer a business, but um, they made operating systems for consumer devices, and I joined them. Then I went to I went from there to Apple, and and then in the mid '90s, the internet like blew up, and right. I went to my first startup, this company called Web TV, and that like completely changed my life. I got compl- hooked on startups got into the whole entrepreneur scene, met other entrepreneurs, investors, VCs, and then, you know, just kept doing that. Were you doing any investing before that? Zero. Zero. So, yeah. So what happened was I was just in like entrepreneur mode and startup land. And, um, and then in, um, 2001, I moved back to Boston. So I was there for a decade in San Mm -hmm. Francisco. And then, you know, we want to move back East to like raise a family. And, um, Anyway, it's a long story. I don't want to bore you, but like I came back east and 
uh, met up with this venture capital firm. They hired me and then uh, met a person there who, you know, we really clicked and decided that, hey, you know, wouldn't it be great if we started our own venture capital firm? So a bunch of us uh, got together and came up with the uh, the idea behind Spark Capital, this this firm we all started in, in 05 and the idea was to back the best entrepreneurs like ever. And, and that's what we've been doing. Uh, yeah. That's so incredible. So how, I mean, I know you've, there's a long list of, of incredible companies that you guys have helped fund from the beginning, Tumblr and Twitter being, you know, really, really big names. And those like, when did the really big, the big guns and the big ones start coming in for you guys, like the Tumblr and Twitters? Yeah. Uh, you know, probably like a couple years after we were, you know, we launched, we, you know, we launched in like the middle of 05 and we made some good investments even in at that first year, you know, it, it worked out great. But, um, but by like by 07, 08, you know, the web 2.0 world started getting super interesting. These mm-hmm. ideas got really, you know, iPhone launched in 07, app store launched in 08, you know, entrepreneurs were just putting out really good work. And I feel like that's when we kind of hit our groove. Um, so, you know, Twitter was born in that, time frame tumblr was born in that time frame four square um and then you know a few years after that we invested in oculus which is you know the leader in vr and, and it just i just feel like this whole world of of these amazing smartphones like really like that was the timing that re- that we benefited from and um and just got involved with super cool companies as a result. Yeah. So do you find that that either you or you guys as a collective have had to you know, or not have had to, but have put certain rules in place, you know, when finding like that sweet spot of decision-making with, with all these pitches and all these, these different companies that come to you guys, like, do you guys kind of take a, a methodical approach? Is it tough like to, to jump on your gut immediately, I guess is what I'm trying to, to ask. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, sometimes, you know, we'll meet a founder or founders and they're just so compelling, like their vision or their prototype or something that it's just, uh, we are in right from the get go. You can just meet somebody like that. And, um, you know, David Carp, who was the Tumblr founder was is somebody like that. I met him when he was 19 actually. And, uh, or we backed him at 19. I'm, he's probably early, younger. Mm-hmm. And, you know, even at 19, it wasn't that he was young. It was just, he's just a, inspiring human i mean if you meet him now at 30 he's he's just as inspiring as he was when he's 19 and and so sometimes it's it's just you just know um other times it's it's you kind of just see even though it's early that this product has a small number of users and it's just such a powerful community like when we got involved with twitter they had already launched but they had something like 250,000 users or something like that and so small but but you could just tell there's something special happening with that community. And I, you know, I was part of it as a user first and anyway, so, so it kind of just depends, but we, we, on our side, we work entirely as a team. Like nobody, we don't make any decisions without the team being yeah. on board. What, what does, you know, what does a, a, a work day is too tough, but like, what does a week look like there at Spark? Yeah. Yeah. At this point, like, I feel like, you know, at least my day I, I spend, you know, half of the time looking for new things, new opportunities, new people, new yeah. ideas. And I spend half the time working with the companies we've already backed. Um, something like that. Some, some weeks is maybe tilted one way or the other, but that's, that's typically the, 
how it breaks out. Do you find that you have, you know, really strong relationships with these founders and and CEOs like long into the relationship with Spark and with them? Like do you guys stay pretty connected throughout the entire process? Yeah, you know, a lot of that so generally I'd say yes. It 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 largely depends on each founder is so you know how we said like photographers are so unique. Same yeah. thing with entrepreneurs. No, I'm and sure. some of these entrepreneurs we become lifelong friends and others have, you know, they just tend to be more whatever, formal with their investors. And um, so you end up getting close to them professionally and sometimes it it spills over, but and sometimes it, it doesn't. Um, but it feels like more often than not, it, 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 we tend to get close to them, you know, on a personal level, but it's, it's just, it just kind of depends. Yeah. And with, with, you know, the current state that we're in now, which is just, there are so many different apps and different things out there. Like, do you find that when you're getting these pitches and when you're meeting these founders that the, like the ideas, because the, the big main ideas, right. I feel like they have all kind of taken shape. So all these other ones are kind of just bouncing and piggybacking off of like these other platforms and these other like VR, for instance, like the, you know, the, the one that you guys teamed up with, you know, I'm sure that now you're getting like subcategories of right. VR and things like that. Do you find that that is becoming more and more common as, as tech has just kind of gone crazy? Yeah. You know, it happens. And then you kind of get in this like little cycle where there's a lot of, I don't want to call it incremental, but it's kind of something related to the other thing. Like yeah. you just saw, you know, there is a, the Twitter of sports or the Twitter, like, you know, I saw a lot of people saying, Hey, we're just like Twitter, but we're only focused on X, Y, and Z, yeah. you know, or, you know, we just want to be the, the Oculus of X, Y, and Z or, you know, that kind of thing. And then there's a little bit of that. And then I feel like after a year or two, there's a whole new set of, of new ideas. And, you know, so for example, like I, I hate for this to be like a spark infomercial, but like, <laughs> no, on this go point ahead. Though, you know, we backed a company in San Francisco called wild type uh-huh. and they're making, um, they're making fish from stem out of stem cells in the lab. Oh, like, wow. You know, so it's got nothing to do with apps at all. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. You know, they have a vision around like sustainability and being good to the planet and figuring out how to nourish the planet in a kind way. And that was their mission. And and it just like obviously it's a brand new idea that, you know, we've never seen before. And and it just feels like that we see a lot of that right now. Whereas yeah. maybe, you know, a couple of years ago we kind of fell into the lull you're talking about. Yeah. And well, it's, it's funny you say that too about, you know, like the, the fish brand, because it's, it's this eco-friendly kind of like rejuvenation that I feel like is so common and so, so prevalent, even with companies like Peak Design. Like when we chatted with Peter Daring, that was actually the first episode, but you know, like they are so about green tech and, and sustainability and, and gearing their company, even from in the beginning when it wasn't like that, to an eco-friendly, you know, manufacturer and, and just every every aspect of it. And I feel like a lot of these companies, especially that you talk to, are kind of coming from that green tech approach as well. Yeah, I, I really believe the best entrepreneurs that we're drawn to, I should say, are are have a really intentional mission. Yeah. You know, there's a there's this kind of saying in this, you know, world of startups that, you know, founders tend to either be missionary or mercenary, probably the same thing could be true about their investors. And we are absolutely 100% drawn to these founders that have a real mission behind what they're doing. And it, they just, they're just so infectious. They, they just really are inspiring. They get the best people to work from because everybody wants to be part of that. Like, you know, like they really get why this is going to be, or at least has a shot 
to uh, to leave a mark on the world in a positive way. Yeah, and you know, I mean, coming from at least what what I picture as you know someone who has an idea and they have a startup because I don't you know I'm not fully versed in the world at all like I don't know too much about even you know getting a, a pitch together but what would you say to to people that feel like they don't have the resources to get in a room with with a company as big as Spark or, or people that won't make the jump because they feel like there's not a shot because they don't have the name and they don't have the funding to back it from the beginning and things like that. Is there, is there anything for them? Yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, most of the founders we back were not, they never built a company before, you know, sometimes it's their first or second job. Like, you know, I mean, the David Carp story I shared earlier, you know, he was 19, he was a high school dropout, yeah. you know, it wasn't like he was this, you know, super successful rich guy or anything like, so, you know, it's, it's definitely possible. I mean, you know, we, we tend to work through, you know, people reach out to us or if it's an area that we're really excited about and we tend to find them or they get introduced to us through people we know or one way or the other. I mean, I don't want to suggest like there's a lot of people out there. We don't meet them all, but yeah. um, we're not, we don't have this like, filter that, you know, you've got to have, you know, X, Y, and Z before we come talk to us in terms of like your, where you are in your career or whatever, like, you know, we're, you know, we just love meeting great people. Yeah. And I'm sure that, you know, you, you guys can definitely get a good read on, on a team or, or a person, whether it comes to, you know, if they are passionate about what they're doing and, and that, you know, is kind of everything at the end of the day, right? Like you kind of want to bet on that person, no matter what company they're coming at That's or exactly coming right. with, you know, it's about yeah. them. Yeah. And sometimes, you know, I end up talking people out of raising venture capital. I'm like, you know, this idea is awesome. You should not raise venture capital. Here's a better way for you to raise money. And then you don't have like these VCs involved with your business. And, you know, I, I think that, you know, I probably spend a huge chunk of my time every week saying, you know, this is a great idea. Don't raise venture capital for this. You're going to have all these like misalignment on expectations. And like, I, I think venture capital is really good for a certain type of company that's going to have certain needs and and goals and for like most businesses out there they'll, they'll do fine without it yeah they'll, yeah they'll do better yeah oh yeah for sure um changing gears a little bit into the creative community and you know kind of seeing the trend that you know instagram is the best example right because of the algorithm and people talking about that all the time and and that's not even really what i want to chat about but i kind of want to pick your brain about where you think um everything is going when it comes to creators in the community and when it comes to them living a life almost in the platform. So these freelancers that, that are relying on Instagram and, and these people that are trying to, you know, make a living doing either photography or video, but using these apps, do you, do you see the direction going in a certain way or do you see this trend kind of coming to an end soon? Well, my sense, and it's a little anecdotal based on people I know, you know, creators I know that like have had a really good run on these platforms and it feels like it's harder than it, like super hard right now. Yeah. And, um, I mean, there's definitely, you know, people getting, still getting great work on the platform and, you know, like it's happening still, but it's just harder. I think there's like, you know, it's a smaller subset than what it used to be right. uh, because of the algorithm, um, it's kind of forcing people to kind of second guess whether or not second guess, but just kind of do a gut check. Like, do they, do they want to keep doing this or not? Or maybe they want to do like a hybrid approach and like, you know, maybe they'll do other types of photography in addition to what they were doing before or 
something else. Um, yeah. And I, I actually just caught up with my friend in San Francisco last week who has been doing on this, you know, for the last seven years. And, and she just took a job at, at, at Adobe because she's just wants to given all these changes. Like she just wants to have a different pace right now. Yeah. Um, so, so I guess it's a little anecdotal, but it def, it feels like the world has changed. Um, also feels like there's a lot of demand for creators to do more video. Um, so I'm seeing a lot of creators like to post really cool stuff on, on YouTube right now. It, it feels like, um, there's a lot of opportunity there still, um, even though there's an algorithm issue there too. Um, but, um, you know, I, I think, you know, in this kind of mode where people are getting a little frustrated when I say people, I mean, creatives about the algorithm changes, yeah. it tends to be the time when something new will emerge, frankly. Um, you know, if history is any guide, it's kind of, these things tend to go in cycles and, and there will be another thing. Do you think that VR is going to play a super big role in content creation and even in advertising and marketing and and in every everything that uses traditional media now or everything that uses traditional photo video? Do you think that will switch to VR in the next decade? You know, I'm I'm really bullish on VR and AR in the long term. It's hard to predict the short term though, but I think, you know, personally I think there's a lot more opportunity in VR and AR in entertainment like gaming and stuff like that you know maybe education i think in terms of like creatives um the creative community that kind of we're living in and friends with and doing great work like i kind of feel like that may not be the best place for vr and air yeah and, and the reason why is that you know it just it, there aren't that many people on the on those platforms and on those networks like, like you can reach you know 50 million people on VR today or something, you know, um, yeah, for sure. Or, or 500 people in the case of, you know, you know, these larger platforms. So I think that's the challenge with those things. Um, and look, I still think that like still photography is super powerful and it has a lot of legs and I hope it, it never goes away. It's just whether the existing, you know, platforms and networks are the, are the ones that people can count on for the next, you know, five or 10 years. Like they've, we've been able to do in the last five or 10 years. Yeah. How much time do you put personally into your photography when it comes to uh, shooting and, and editing as well? Yeah. Um, I shoot, I don't shoot every day. That's not true. I, I shoot most days, I guess is the thing. Like I, I definitely shoot most days. Yeah. I had a, a three sixty five for a while, you know, like a daily thing going. Mm -hmm. And then that was really fun or challenging, I should say. And then, um, but like most days I'm, I'm shooting, I'm, I'm either, you know, going out intentionally like, Hey, the next three hours I'm, I'm going to, you know, be all about X, Y, and Z. Like I'll set a goal for myself of, mm -hmm. of street or something. Um, or I'll just get up early before work and, you know, and, and just shoot in my neighborhood or something or, or, you know, that kind of thing. Um, I am so bad about the, in front of the computer part of this whole thing. <laughs> um, yeah. Like, I think that's one of the reasons why I love film because like after I make the photo, my job is done and, um, yeah. I send it off to the lab, but the whole post-processing and everything, I, it just, it never did anything for me. I know people that are super good at it and love it and creative. And I just, I don't have that. I just don't have it. <laughs> do you, do you ever feel a pressure at all to keep up with your social presence? You know, if I'm being honest, there's definitely sometimes that pressure for sure. And, and you know, it kind of collides with the time where I'm just not feeling it. Yeah. You know? And then I'm feeling like, ah, oh, is this like, is this okay or not okay? And I, it tends to kind of 
be this rush and then it's kind of over. Um, yeah. It's not something I've struggled with like on a serious level, but uh, you know, it's just as a human, I'm insecure as the next person. So there'll be moments where I'm like, you know, I haven't posted anything in six days. I should probably get my act together. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah. And then I'm feeling like, well, it's all trash. And my archive sucks. And the cycle continues. The cycle continues, but it's uh, mostly I'm having fun. Yeah. See, I, I feel, um, I mean, I feel in the same way, but I, it's this thing I think is happening with like what we were talking about, kind kind of the current state of the algorithm and just this kind of like rat race to, to get as many likes as you can that, that seems to be in the platform. And I think what it's doing is it's making people feel that they need to post daily and they need to put out stories daily and the content has to be, you know, worthy and it has to be storytelling. And there's just so many things. And I fall into that trap too, where, you know, like if I don't post a story in a day or two, I'm like, shoot, like, I got to get on this. Like, or what, you know, like they're, they're going to all run away all my followers, all my fans. And like, it's, it's a bad, like, I understand it's not a good, yeah. it's not a good mindset, but it's, it's yeah. tough. It, it really is tough because it's almost like, uh, you know, that, that validation, it, it seeps into your brain and you think that that's, what's going to keep you, you know, getting work, at least for my case as a freelancer. And I'm afraid to, I'm afraid to let go of that a little bit. Although I know it's probably the healthiest thing to do. Yeah, look, I totally get it. My, I mean, my livelihood doesn't depend on this stuff, but just in terms of as somebody who's trying to, you know, do good work from a f- photography standpoint, you know, I definitely get the the pressure and the desire to like keep pushing and and getting feedback or or you know no feedback it's, or less feedback or something. And that algorithm, it's like, well, do I suck? Do I not suck? <laughs> it, it's uh, it can be it can be a little you know it could turn you around a little bit. Um, but ultimately, I kind of feel like, and this is the advice I give people like starting companies too, if you don't love it, you're not going to do your best work. And yeah. so if you feel like the algorithm is is fatiguing you, it's going to show in your work. Like if you feel like I'm putting this out only to feed the beast, it's just going to show up. So I'd say try to keep it light and fun and not take it too seriously. And that way, like, you know, because also you get you get surprised in the upside. I, I posted this thing the other day where I posted because I had a ball in New Orleans, but like mm-hmm. the photos I love, but I just didn't think anybody else would love them. They were they they meant a lot to me personally, but I, it was more just like I went to this cool city and here's what I saw, and it was like I got like a lot of interactions with it. Like and 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 I caught up with other people that are like, oh man, I love that city. Here's where you should visit next, and, and it's yeah. like all that like you know, good stuff about social that I, that I love. And, uh, it was, I'm so glad I posted it. Yeah. Where, where do you, uh, where do you pull inspiration from? Do you, are you, do you read a lot? Do you watch documentaries? Do you listen to a lot of music? I know you post music on your blog a lot, which is cool, but where do yeah, you find that you such an important thing? Yeah. I, I, I think the, these things that inspire me from a photograph standpoint are like books and travel is probably uh, first and second. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I get a lot from my friends, like my photography friends. I, I get so much. I mean, this guy that I referred to earlier, Johnny Patience, has taught me so much about like making a good, making good exposures with film. You know, everything from you know black and white, color, thirty-five millimeter, medium format. I mean, I, I would be like drooling in a corner if it wasn't for Johnny Patience. Like, <laughs> like yeah. the guy is a legend. It's one of the sweetest people I've ever met, and. Um, so he's inspired me so much, you know, tremendous, like positive energy, great support, really a, a close personal friend now. And, uh, he's a huge part of this. 
Yeah. Did you have a mentor growing up, going in through the uh, the tech world and the startup scene? Did you have someone that was kind of above you that showed you the ropes, or did you kind of just you know learn as you went? You know, I never had like a specific mentor. I I had different people like along my career that like took a chance on me that yeah. I'm so grateful for where I probably didn't deserve it or I probably like I didn't deserve it. <laughs> um, and I'm immensely grateful about that. And I, I kind of feel like at every step of the way, um, as I've been on my journey, I, I really try to make sure I'm being helpful to people that are coming up because that's how it worked for me. I mean, you know, people had enormous kindness headed my way and really didn't have to. And, um, so, you know, just, I just, I'm so grateful for that. And, and that, you know, it's been probably more impactful than any kind of, uh, specific mentor over the years. Although there's a guy named Jerry Colonna who, um, is like a coach. He's basically is like a coach. He's, he's, he, um, he's writing a book called reboot. Um, he's, you know, it's kind of a, a fancy word, I guess, for a therapist for, you know, CEOs and stuff. Yeah. And, um, and Jerry is, is I've learned so much for Jerry and Jerry is my coach for a few years as I was working some personal stuff out. And, and so I don't know, mentor, coach, you know, therapists, you know, something like that. <laughs> When's, uh, when does your book come out? Oh, man. <laughs> I got no book coming out, but, uh, no, no, I, I am working on a project. I don't know what form it's going to take, um, but we have this uh, beach house on um, the island of Nantucket, which is off the coast of oh, beautiful. Massachusetts. Yeah. yeah, and we've been going there for a long time. We love it. And there are people that um, it's a small island, so there are people that grew up there, lived there, worked there mm-hmm. forever, and and so I've been starting to shoot their portraits. And oh, cool! I've got this like idea that you know maybe in five years to have like ports of people that are from there like truly from the island and yeah. you know, these are fishermen these are people that like you know do shoe repair that you know been founder entrepreneurs of restaurants or whatever and i have this like um i have something in my head around that and i've been shooting them and i'm telling working on this project but i, I don't know where it's going yeah that's exciting I've, though, been, right? I've been doing it all on black and white film yeah yeah it's, it's, it's been good and i'm I hope I can keep pushing and and and, and doing them justice because they're they're like uh, each of them have their own story to tell and it's it's been pretty cool. Yeah, I love that. I uh, or we just had this little roundtable podcast that we put out uh, where I actually talked to Honors and Theo for the first time and we kind of were just shooting around you know different ideas about creativity in the space and uh, and all that. But I was saying how I think it's really important even when you get busy, because that's the most important time to remember to like work on personal projects because you kind of can lose sight on that when you're, you know, grinding out Monday through Friday or seven days a week, whatever your schedule is. And like, that's important for me too, because I am finally at this point now, which is amazing because I'm consistently booking and it's, you know, it's going well freelance wise for right now, but my personal projects are just on total standby and it's such a bummer, you know, and it, yeah. it, I'm hitting this point where I really, I got to figure out something in my schedule to make it work because those projects at the end of the day are the most exciting and they really are going to fuel, you know, like the creativity and the passion the most. I think so too. Do you have uh, like in your mind, if time permitting, like what that would be for this year or whatever? Um, yeah, I, I have a couple projects that I want to, I want to shoot when I'm traveling. So like, I'm probably going to do Dublin and I, or Dublin and uh, London for the first time in a couple months. And I'd love to, to spend those two weeks just shooting as much as I can and putting together something physically 
Um, oh, and then I'm going to Mexico with a bunch of buddies in May. So there's this big run called El Diablo Run, and they all ride motorcycles, and I don't. I'm the only one that wow. doesn't. So I have the chase truck. I have the chase Jeep. <laughs> Where and is it? It's in uh, San, San Felipe. So it's going to be awesome. Yeah, it's great. So we went two years ago and uh, actually I was vlogging at the time because I totally jumped on that trend. Uh, That's great. And and I have one vlog that I did uh, from San Felipe two years ago. If you type in El Diablo Run, it's the only one that really comes up first. It got like 300,000 views and like everyone that went on the run was like, man, like you got to see this vlog. But now I feel like I owe it to that run and also to me and my friends to like really – take that week out there and really try to make this amazing like two to three minute like mini doc of the ride and just everything. And now I have a drone, like I have a, I have a gimbal, like I have all this new gear that I didn't have two years ago. Yeah. So yeah, just, yeah, th- yeah. just things like that, that, you know, like I, I understand I want to do it, but once again, like work may come up and like, I might not be able to, to make it happen, you know? I hear you. I hear you, but you should do it. I know. I know. So, um, what what's in the what's in the near future? I know you probably can't, you know, think way too ahead when it comes to yeah, the type yeah, of work yeah. you're in. But what what's in the next year? What's 2019 look like? You know, the work is going to continue and 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 all that. And I'm I'm excited about you know the types of companies we're meeting and 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 everything on the personal level. I've got a I've got a trip to LA coming up, and then I've got um, a trip to Alaska, which I'm. I'm Absolutely stoked about it. I've oh, never yeah. been. Oh, uh, it's great. A few months we're heading to Alaska. Have you been? Yeah, you'll love it. You'll absolutely oh, love it. Oh, sweet. I'm so psyched. I really it's just been in the works for a while. We finally got our act together. And um so that's gonna be good. And then and then and then I'll and then that's it. I and then I'll figure it out. Cool. Well, yeah, Alaska, incredible. LA, it'll be sunny, it'll be okay. You've been here. It's it's nice out here. Yeah, yeah. Uh but yeah. Alaska, you are gonna have a, a great time. So what what time of year is that that you said you're going? Yeah, I'm going in uh, end of May. Oh, that's going to be great. That's going to be nearly perfect timing. And oh, sweet. I, I think that you're going to hit tw- – will you hit 22 hours of daylight? You might around that time. I went oh, last crazy. April. I went last April, and it was – there's a shot that, that I like a lot of my buddy on a kayak out in the middle of this lake. And if you, if you see the shot, you'd think that it was probably like 5 or 6 p.m. It was 2 in the morning. And it's wow. like, it, it looks just like, it's almost like normal sunset. It's like, you know, just pretty gold and it's 2 a.m. and no one realizes wow. that. So you're going to have a ton of light, which is amazing for film and amazing for photography. Oh, that's great. I can't wait. Yeah, man. Well, dude, thank you. Thank you so much for, for giving me the time. It really, really means a lot. I'm a giant fan of your photography and, you know, I'm just in awe by everything you've done with Spark and, you know, all, all this stuff that you have going on. So it's, it's really cool to be able to chat with you. Hey man, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. It's great to talk to you. Yeah. And so real quick, um, so people can find you and find your blog. So your blog is through your website. And can you can you uh, let us know the site and then how to find you on Instagram? Yeah, yeah. My uh, my Instagram and Twitter is the same. It's at Bijan, which is my first name. Be like boy I J A N. And my uh, my website's linked on both profiles, but it's bijansabit.com. Perfect. Awesome. Bajan, thank you so, so much. When you're in LA, if you have a, a quick 10 minutes, would love to grab coffee with you. And right on, uh, and I look forward to your Alaska pictures. Thanks so much. <laughs> awesome. All right, thank you. All right, yeah.
That'll do it, guys. Thank you so much for hanging out and checking out that episode of the Darkroom Podcast. Bajan, thank you so much for coming on and giving us the time. I really hope you guys enjoyed that one. I had a really good time talking to Bajan, and I hope you guys took a lot out of that. You can see Bajan's work and follow his travels at Bajan on Instagram. That's B-I-J-A-N. Man, he got the one. He got the name. He got the one name. Those are those are hot commodities these days. Man, I'm just thinking about. Yeah, okay. Anyways, uh. Okay, you can say hey to us at Darkroom. You can say hey to me at Dane Diener. And thanks, guys. I appreciate you. And we will see you next week.